Welcome to the Leading Visionaries Podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established leading visionaries. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate and spotlight the leading visionaries who are thinking differently, seeing new possibilities, have the courage to dream big, take inspired action, and create conscious change all around the world. Now, here's your host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Leading Visionaries podcast, where we celebrate the ingenious, insightful, innovative, and inspired leading visionaries of our time and provide our listeners with world-class examples of the kind of courage, clarity, and confidence it takes to bring visions into reality. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our very special guest, Brenda Edelman. Brenda is an award-winning actor, recipient of the Hero of Forgiveness Award, author of My Father Killed My Mother and Married My Aunt, Forgiving the Unforgivable, and is a coach, speaker, digital course creator, and has been interviewed on CBS, NPR, Fox TV News, and over 200 podcasts, including our sister podcast, Wickedly Smart Women, publications, radio, TV shows, and other media outlets. She's performed her critically acclaimed one-woman show, My Brooklyn Hamlet, for over 12,000 people on stages in four countries and 10 states, and even more virtually. She teaches mission-driven performers and heart-centered coaches and solopreneurs who are the face of their business how to tell unforgettable stories with her proven soul story method. Her 200-plus clients have presented on stages throughout the U.S., Europe, Canada, and virtually. I am so delighted to have you here today. Brenda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So glad to be back. Yeah, well, you are, you know, certainly an unforgettable woman uh, with an unforgettable story. And so this show, Leading Visionaries, is all about being a leader and also about being a visionary. And one of the things that I know about you is that, you know, you took a incredibly tragic story and turned it into something you know, magnificently empowering for you and magnificently empowering for your audiences. And you have even further taken that into something to help others tell unforgettable stories. So I'd like to talk to you about your own experience of being a visionary. Is it something that you have had within you all your life or is it something that came further down the road? It came further down the road. It it came after the tragedy. So I might as well say what it was here. You know, my father, who I adored, I was definitely daddy's little girl growing up, kind of daddy's little girl as an adult, shot and killed my mother, who was my best friend back in 1995. And then within a month, moved in with and then married her sister, my aunt. And in for all intents and purposes, I lost my entire family in that one night. But it was during, well, first of all, that 
I think I spent the first part of my life really just being there for my parents, trying to make them happy for each other, almost being life like in the role of husband to my mother and wife to my father, which sounds weird, but it was just triangulated. And I was just trying, just wanted them to be happy when they fought so much with each other, but they were loving with me. But I was very much a follower or feeling invisible when I was growing up. They were such big personalities and there didn't really seem to be room for me. And I feel like being invisible was safer. But after I lost my family and I and I went into that dark, deep depression, during one of these sleepless nights, I was journaling and I actually had a vision or or an insight or I heard God or my mother. I don't know who it was. I thought it was my mother then. I have a feeling it was just an expression of of the all, the everything. And and I heard that everything was going to be okay. And I just started following this inner spaciousness. And it was from that place that I was guided to write what is now my critically acclaimed one woman show, guided me to go get a master's in spiritual psychology. Like all of a sudden the world was, everything was energy. It wasn't, you know, the circumstances of the day. And it was from that place, I believe, is is where I feel like I tapped into what it means to be a visionary. Like I mm. saw the show. I saw myself on stage. I saw myself helping people. I saw myself healing. But but it was revealed. Like each thing was revealed one step at a time to me. Yeah, beautiful. So for our people who are listening, you know, I love that you heard a voice because I think sometimes when we think about this idea of being visionary, we think it's all in pictures. And sometimes it's in pictures and sometimes it's in sound words, you know, sometimes it's in gut feelings. And so I love that you bring that to the table that for you, the initiating kind of obviously incident was the trauma. And then subsequent to that was the hearing, was the hearing the voice that said everything's going to be okay. And the feeling, the feeling came of just, oh my gosh, I am not just this little contracted, upset, depressed person in this body, but there is something that has no borders. Mm. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Well, <laughs> and for you, that having that felt sense, I'm sure was like the sprinkles on top of the cupcake, right? Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So first yeah, you had I, the hearing and then you yes. had the felt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So one thing I want to like let our listeners know here as well is sometimes our ability to perceive multidimensionally comes in in a multitude of ways and having it more than one way is actually even more affirmative. Would you say that's the case, Brenda? Absolutely. And I really feel like I became an energetic person then and I moved more into being a leader versus a follower, which I was my entire life until then. Yeah, beautiful. So when you got the vision for the show, let's talk about that. Because I mean, it's a wonderful and amazing thing to have a vision for a show, right? And yet here (laughs) you are in this one woman show like really laying your entire like guts out on the table, right? So can you talk to our audience about that process, about saying yes to that vision? Yeah, 
So the vision, I didn't have a vision of I have in a critically acclaimed one woman show I've done all over the world. I had a vision of me on stage sharing my story because up until that point, I felt squashed and ashamed and like I was damaged because of what happened. So I was hiding and it just so happened <laughs> when you allow yourself to be in flow. I was in a top acting class. I had just recently got back into a, an acting class in Los Angeles. I had taken a, I mean, a year of just going back and forth to New York and dealing with lawyers and, and trying to survive really and, and stay alive. And they had something called a personal monologue. And it was an exercise to get on stage and be real. And it terrified the shit out of me. I'll just say it. That's <laughs> my Brooklyn. I was so filled with shame. And yet this impulse to tell my story on stage was bigger than my fear. And so I had been writing. I wrote uh, during that very healing time. I wrote 100 poems in 30 days. And I start and still not thinking I was going to perform it, perform anything, but I did turn one of the poems, which was about me confronting my father into the first scene for my one person show. And then I had the courage to share it with a friend of mine in acting class, never having revealed something. So let's see, they were dark. They were sexual. They were rageful. Like that wasn't me. I define myself as I'm a nice girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know how most women, most women probably can kind of be like, you know, squash their impulses. And I read it to him and he was so blown away. His reaction shocked me, but he really encouraged me. And then I asked to do the personal monologue, which it was probably a half an hour, 20 minutes to half an hour. And I just followed the impulse to turn that scene, turn that poem into a scene with three characters and then add other things in my life and have it be funny and raw and, you know, hopefully inspiring. And I, it was a hundred person class, got a standing ovation for literally 10 minutes, which I only know because I opened up a journal recently and it said it. And people were like, who are you? And a director wanted to work with me, a producer wanted to produce it. So it was like a snowball effect. I just kept saying yes. And then I hit a wall because I, I did do the show was sold out, well-received, and I felt miserable because I hadn't done the inner work. And so I took the time off, got my master's in spiritual psychology to figure out, okay, not only do I want to tell this story, but I want to heal from this story. And then I took my dad's court for wrongful death at that point, rewrote the ending of the show to be about forgiveness because of the forgiveness work I did. Mm, beautiful. I love it. Well, let's talk about the the process of the internal process of you saying yes, but also let's talk about the external process of bringing something that's a vision into life. You know, it's a one woman show, but I'm guessing that you had other people that you needed to enroll to support you, other assistants to bring this to life. It's not a one woman thing that you're doing everything. Right. Correct. Right. Right. I was so passionate about bringing what I knew I had to, to the stage. And so the class I was in was very important because they were so supportive of using my creativity like this, right? And I got to work on it constantly. And then I was so passionate and talking about it that it actually was in the flow. And I find that when people, you know, when you're in the flow, you're open to possibilities. So I remember being in a 
you know, like a business of acting group or something like that and sharing with the person about my show. And he was like, oh, I'm working for a small theater and the director, you know, produces shows. And so I talked to her about it. And because the story is so unique and and frankly, most people who have gone through what I have don't talk about anything. They're still in shame, which I know because I performed all over. And luckily, I've had people in the audience. And I've been able to talk to them and inspire them to heal. So the first time I put the show up was, you know, I said, yes, I went and met with this woman who directed me and I, you know, I studied with her probably for you know a summer or something like that. I can't remember so long ago. So she produced the very first version. And then I took that time off mm-hmm. to get my master's. And from time to time, I just have the impulse to do it again. I've worked with different directors because I grew as a person. So I wanted to work with other people. And, you know, at times I've enlisted like choreographers to help me or someone to help me with a dramaturg to help me with the joke and things like that. But it's very self-motivated. And I find that if you are on your path and you know how to pitch, I learned everything. So here's the thing. I took classes. I stayed in acting classes. I took writing classes. I did everything I needed to do to make it the best it could be. And also so that I could articulate it. I also got up on stages and, you know, didn't do as good as I could have and learned what the audience wanted. So I'm very much someone who's like, be excellent, do what you need to do so that you can be the best at what you do. Because it's also why I teach storytelling, because I know what it's like when what you have to say doesn't land. Or I know mm. what, what you have to say makes you feel awful after, even though other people like it. So I try to shorten that process and include like, how do you take care of yourself when you are sharing something so vulnerable? It was very important for me that there be a trajectory in it, that I'm not just like spewing my crap on the stage to feel better, but I'm actually helping people. That mm. that was what gave me the motivation. I really wasn't up to sharing it. I felt still so ashamed, but I knew it was helping people. That first standing ovation and the people that came up to me afterwards that told me they healed from something I did gave me the impetus to write it into a full show. Beautiful. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about your business. But right now, listeners, are you a leading visionary or in the role of leading other visionaries? Consider joining our community and sharing your feedback and takeaways from each episode. We invite you to join us and support this podcast by making a donation at leadingvisionariespodcast.com. If you're interested in finding out more about how you can receive support for getting your vision out of the air and onto the ground... You can apply to qualify for a complimentary consultation with me or a member of my team by clicking the Connect with Angel button on the site. Be sure to share this show in your own spirals of influence with the people who you think might benefit from our content. I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. I want to shout out this week to our listeners. We might as well shout out to our listeners in Brooklyn. And to our listeners in Sweden, I think Sweden just came on board. So we will be right back with Brenda Edelman. The Leading Visionaries podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Are you the one who thinks differently, who is called to create a significant conscious change in the world, who is seeing and dreaming of a better way for your industry, your community, humanity? Creative Age Consulting Group is hired to guide leading visionaries just like you who want to break through the static in order to clearly express and confidently enroll support for their vision in a way that makes it inevitable that it will come to pass. 
Your word is your wand, and as the leader, your ability to articulate and communicate your vision is essential to its materialization and monetization. Please enjoy with our compliments a free copy of the book, Be Heard by Millions and Live Your Destiny, which was a number one new release in three categories to get you started. The book is yours by visiting gift.leadingvisionariespodcast.com. And we are back with Brenda Edelman. Before we went to the break, I said I would let you know where you can find out more about her business, the business side of things. You can go find Brenda at Unforgettable Speakers Society on Facebook. And we will have the link to that group. That's her free group on Facebook in the show notes. So Brenda, yes, you know, you had the vision for the show. You wrote the book. You had the vision for the show. You've done the show. What? happened to have you get a vision like what's the vision for your business like how did that come to pass it seems very synchronistic because yeah i just was an actress you know and then i had this one person show and then i was making money with the one person show which is a dream of every actor you know and i wasn't having to like go to some audition for three lines i was like oh my god i can use all my talent on stage you know because i have about five soliloquies from hamlet in this very Brooklyn story, because I studied Shakespeare and knew that Hamlet lived through something like I did. So I'm like, oh, when people would sing, I can do Shakespeare's, you know, monologues from Shakespeare, because everybody would leave the room if they heard me singing. I did start coaching in 2006. I had my master's in spiritual psychology. I, I did go for my own healing. And then I would be talking to people or they would see my show and they would want to coach, especially when I was focusing on forgiveness. And like people would be like, how did you forgive your father? And so I started coaching and then I was doing my show in Sedona. So maybe that was around 2005, 2006. And I knew the minister at the Unity Church. And he was like, you know how about you do a workshop with your show and teach people how to, you know, your process of forgiving? And I was like, okay. Again, I didn't know, I didn't know how to put a workshop together then, but I'd been in enough workshops. So I, I started that. I remember I had like 25 people in the first workshop and I bundled it. I had my show one day because I, I knew it opened people's hearts. I would do Q and A's and they'd be like, what's the next step? And so this was the next step to, while their heart was open, come into my workshop. And then when they'd be at the workshop, they would want more information. So that's when I wrote my book. And I was like, let me look through my life and really see what my process was. And so I wrote the book. So then I would sell it at the workshops as an ebook originally. Now it's on Amazon as a Kindle book. And then someone had seen me do the show that was in the domestic violence community, and they wanted me to do a keynote. So I did a keynote for their annual conference, just my show. And then another conference, Child Advocacy, wanted me to come in to speak or do the show, but they couldn't meet my fee. And I really wanted to get into like speaking, turn it into speaking, not just the show. And so I said, all right, I'll do half of my show and I'll speak on my three-step forgiveness process. That was close. That was like a 300, that was about 300 people in the audience. And I was able to 
have a sign up sheet for them to join a teleseminar to continue the forgiveness process. So so I, I, I did a half an hour because this way I knew I didn't have to rehearse as much. I didn't have to do sound cues and things like that. So I felt like my time was valued. And then I did my three step process. And so that's kind of how it like it all came like that. And then when the online world came in, you said I yes started, again. <laughs> I said yes again. And I was like, well, how am I going to reach people? And so I created some online courses on setting healthy boundaries, on forgiveness. And then on, I had so many actors that would come to my show and be like, but how did you create the show? And how are you doing it everywhere? And so I create, I'd be asked the same question. So I created my signature training, create, promote, and profit with a one person show. And then I had coaches and, you know, in business groups that would be like, but how do I tell my story? Mm. And then how do I, when video came in, how do I present on video? So then I started teaching video confidence and speaking for stage. And, and now it's kind of full circle because a couple of years ago, it was before the pandemic, I just had a download about my forgiveness work and I channeled 30 lessons that I'd had over the years that I did like breath work or, mm. you know, different Ho'oponopono, all kinds of things. And so I, I created that digital program, which I've actually been running again. Cause that's Excellent. what I, if I could talk about how I forgave for the rest of my life, I would like that is, I, I will never stop talking about it. I know how I share helps people. And I've, and I've, you know, talked all over the world for that. And I have a forgiveness award, right. Which yeah. also happens by flow. Right. Right. Well, and and so for our listeners who are, you know, receiving what I call divine intervention, you know, a lot of what you are talking about, Brenda, is divine intervention. You know, you've got so much feedback that said, keep moving forward, keep moving forward, keep moving forward. And it's like the path was laid in front of you. And all your work was to do was to acknowledge that you were receiving, right? Acknowledge that you were being acknowledged and continue to say yes, continue to say yes, continue to say yes. So we've got about a few, we've got a few minutes left. I want to talk a little bit about your group, Unforgettable Speakers, and how you help people with unforgettable stories using your soul story method. So for the listeners out there who know that part of being a leading visionary is being the voice and face of your brand. Yes. And and when you're the voice and face of your brand, you are out there in the world. Your main job is to be out there in the world, enrolling people in your vision, bringing people into your vision, bringing the money into your vision, bringing team support into your vision, bringing potential clients into your vision if it's a commercial operation or donors into your vision if it's nonprofit. So this is like the linchpin, the story and the capacity to be on stage and tell the story in a compelling way, in an unforgettable way, is the linchpin that will allow a vision to either fall flat or really come into full fruition. So let's talk about your soul story method. Yeah, well, I was teaching classes. I was teaching a program called Eight Week Take the Stage 
experience before the pandemic. And that was that was actually virtual. And I was teaching an in-person six-week class called Healing Through Storytellers on Stage. And that was that was in person. And in both those programs, I started giving a stage to my clients because I realized that it's one thing to be working on your story in some program or some class, but it's a whole nother thing to go in public. Like I watched my clients be so scared but then be so proud of themselves for actually doing it. And I knew they would get the reception that I got because of how deep I go. And so my method that I teach, and I've helped over 200 people be on stages now for the last few years with their stories, and they're also different, but my method is very much go for the deepest cut. Because I tell you, and you probably know this too, because I'm so vocal with what I've lived through, I have people sharing with me about suicides in their family, being tortured, being raped as a child, like things that completely break my heart. But what I know because of the work I've done, the master's program I went to, and it's why I became a coach in the first place, is it's not about shutting that down. It's about moving through it. And so I have a capacity to hold as people are going through this in the loving so that they can get to the other side and have freedom. And so that's what I see. My heart breaks and then it breaks open because all of this energy that's been locked inside, having to compartmentalize and push down and be like, I'm okay when they're not okay, which is, of course, was my process was just opens up so much them. So in the soul story method, it is about finding your story or stories based on the themes in your life. And then it's very much about working with the emotions and healing from the emotions so that you're caring for yourself at the same time that you're delving into this and also sharing it. And then it's about crafting like a pro instead of just like putting something out there that's formulaic or like everybody else's and and being, you know, like the worst thing is to have something you've lived through and be so courageous and be able to share about it and then it fall flat and nobody hears you because you don't know how to share it like a professional. And so I really teach crafting not just because I'm not really teaching book writing, although I edit sometimes. It's like you craft it, but then presenting. I teach the presentation. How do you use all of your talent? How do you really unleash your talent? And don't be me, be you. And then, and then of course, getting it out into the world. So mm. that's the, you know, that's the process. Beautiful. Well, and so listeners, I'd love to invite you to consider getting in touch with Brenda. It's a real key piece of being a leading visionary. So the last little question I have, we've got less than a minute left is part of what you're doing with your clients is they're visionaries in some way. Yes. So is there anything you have to say about you being a leader of other visionaries as well? Yeah, I have a community called Soul Story Lounge. That's my paid membership. And they all are leaders. They're healers. So it a lot is about stepping into confidence and almost being like I was, like moving from feeling like you don't have a right to share to I am boldly, unapologetically sharing, and I'm working on myself at the same time so that it doesn't matter if someone doesn't agree with me because I'm not making people do things my way. I'm sharing what I believe can help. So it's a lot about, it is a lot about another level of confidence. And then for those I work with who are award-winning speakers, let's say, it's about just tapping into all their creativity that they never did before. Mm, beautiful. All right. Well, it's always a pleasure to connect with you, Brenda. You're such a 
shining light in the world. And I'm so glad that you were able to be with us today. Listeners, we love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's episode by joining our community, sharing your takeaways, asking questions, or submitting guest suggestions. You can weave your visionary thread into our fabric by opting in on our website at leadingvisionariespodcast.com or by interacting with us on social. Look for the handle at Leading Visionaries Podcast across all the major platforms. Thanks so much for tuning in. Keep your eyes, ears, and hearts open. And remember, you are here to create conscious change. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Leading Visionaries on Apple Podcasts and share with other people you know who can benefit from today's episode. Leading Visionaries is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leading visionaries who are called to create conscious change and know that now is the best time to welcome wealth and cultivate a web of collaborative support to bring their vision to life. We invite your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of new episodes at leadingvisionariespodcast.com.